Hi, welcome to Here to Then, hosted by Carolyn Takeda, former attorney, current small groups pastor, and life coach. Through monthly conversations with pastors, authors, and guests, we hope to stir your thoughts and encourage you to move from where you are to where you want to be, in your personal life, in your leadership, or in your ministry. Hi, welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Carolyn Takeda, your host and the Executive Director of Small Groups at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. Well, our topic today is one that's very near and dear to all of our hearts as small group pastors and directors. So if I were to ask you, what is one of the biggest challenges in your small group's ministry consistently, I would bet that one of the ones in the top three would probably be the challenge of getting new group leaders. And this is kind of the meat and potatoes that, of what we do. Um, we ear in, ear out. And the reality is, if we want to keep growing our ministry and connecting more people in our church into small group communities, then we need a constant supply of new leaders. And so this issue is pretty critical, but especially um, now in the summer before our fall season, when typically most of our churches start promoting and starting new groups. So July is a great time to talk about this topic, to plan ahead and execute well in time to have a great harvest of new leaders in the fall. So today, with me on the program today is Daniel Thomas. Thanks, Daniel, for joining us. That's my pleasure. So Daniel is the campus pastor at Elizabethan Campus um, and director of adult ministries at Highland Fellowship Church in Abingdon, Virginia. How do you pronounce that? I probably mashed that. Nah, you did all right. Uh, Abingdon, Virginia. Abingdon, Virginia. Okay, this is where the lovely accent comes from, yes? (laughs) Yep. Um, Daniel's been serving in that role as a campus pastor and the director of adult ministries for um, several years. And prior to that, he served as Highland Small Groups Director, as well as his leadership development pastor. Um, And this I found really interesting, Daniel, that you are a business owner for both a coffee house and a McDonald's for like 15 years. Um, So you've got definitely some business experience to bring to bear on this topic as well. And I'm kind of curious, have you seen how God can use some of those skills in the business world that transfers over um, into ministry world, especially small groups? Like what's one transferable skill that you think carried over into the ministry world for you? Oh, well, you know, I think there's a lot really in that, Carolyn. I think one of the big things is just, it's all about customer service. It's about the people. Why are we in business and how are we serving those that God's entrusted to us uh, in that sense. So realizing that no matter, even in the business world, you know, you can't be profitable without a team in that sense. So how are we best serving those on our team? You know, you have two sets of customers, you've got internal and external. So, you know, I think just that mindset that everything we do is uh, one of my perspective as a leader, you know, they're not here to serve me. I'm here to serve them and help them move this agenda forward, so to speak, or our vision and mission, so I think one of the biggest takeaways is that customer service mindset. Right. Well, and especially because you went food service, which is high customer service, a lot of cranky mm-hmm. customers probably as well. Not that we don't have any of those in church ever. No, 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 no. never. <laughs> um, but I, it's a great jumping off point for this topic because, like, what have you learned about identifying, you know, if you're going to hire a good employee um, and then you want to recruit them? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some things you've learned about identifying those kinds of people that you're going to want on your team. Sure. And you know, when you're thinking about that, whether it's in, a, in the business world, if I'm thinking about in, in the restaurant industry, whether it was our coffee house or whatever, uh, it's, it's kind of a fit. You know, what's, what's our, what business are we in? So when we was in the coffee house, you know, you think about what's the feel uh, of the coffee house, 
uh, what's our DNA, what's our makeup, so to speak, and who's best going to uh, create that uh, for us. And so you're looking for fit for personalities and things like that in that regards. Um, you know, so when we think about in the church world as well, I think when we're looking at identifying new leaders, uh, man, I mean, I think about the same thing. You know, if you think about a leader, it goes back to our, our systems. Right. You know, knowing the, knowing the, it's not just about knowing the vision, mission of the church. I think that's critical. But, you know, you've got diff- there's so many different models. Actually, I Googled this one time, um, you know, and I, I Googled the question of how to uh, identify small group leaders. Okay. Yeah. And so we crazy- don't need the podcast then, Daniel. The people can just Google this. <laughs> well, here's the crazy. I mean, over one million hits or results on just that one question there. Wow. I was like, wow, I didn't realize. So, one, it is a very relevant question. People are asking that question. How do we identify them? Or... So many people wouldn't be talking about it and trying to answer that question because it really is. how. Just like what you mentioned in the intro, to have a sustainable model, continue to grow, to make disciples and make disciples, we've always got to have an influx of leaders. Right. right. And so then in that sense, of how do we identify those and really what model best works with us to move our vision and mission forward? Yeah, Does let's – Yes. Yes. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about that. What are um, some of the different models we see in small group world um, for yeah. finding, identifying, and recruiting small group leaders? Wow, there's there's a lot of them. I mean, you know, you got we utilize here uh, is the campaign strategy uh, host model. It's very lower the bar, so to speak, in a sense. Right. It worked for us. It's a model. There's also, we've done things like the group link. We've done that before. You know, you've got the turbo groups. You've got the apprenticing. Uh, and, and the thing is, all of these work, and they all work really well. Well, let's let's break some of We're, them down so that in case people aren't familiar with it, just in a nutshell, um, let's say, okay, so the first one, the host model, which is what you guys do, mm-hmm. which is uh, made famous by Saddleback Church, kind of the ones yep. that start, started that. Okay, so what are like just the you know, brief description of what that model looks like in terms of identifying and uh, recruiting leaders. Sure. So when it comes to identifying and recruiting leaders with the host model, really it's, it's, you're just championing the vision. You're trying to get church-wide alignment. Uh, but to do that, when you're willing to say to people, you're opening up the, um, you're widening who you can pull from there, so to speak. When you say to the congregation, hey, we want everybody to be in a small group. We want you to host a small group you're kind of really having a wide gate there for people to come in in that sense. So the, the value of that is you do get potentially a lot of group leaders. Right, so you uh, don't have to be a member of the church. You don't have well, to be necessarily – I mean, it depends. I mean, everybody does the model a little differently. But yep. let's say the most open version of the model would be you don't have to necessarily be a member. You don't necessarily have to even be a regular attender. Sure. And exactly. And so what we had, we did one time. Now, we've always done a host model, but also we did that host model with some stipulations. Okay. Like there for a long time, this model where the stipulation was, group. And so when we would cast that vision for group leaders, if someone signed up to be a small group leader before the campaign, then we would try and get them through our membership class to ensure that they're a member before it kicks off. Okay. So, you know, because we had... We had to mod- we modified it some, but then what we recently did that really worked for us, we thought, okay, what we're providing the content for people to teach and lead through through the small group. So I said, if we're, if we're providing the training, then who do we not want to lead a group? 
And so I said, well, we want, if we're providing the teaching, the biblical teachings coming from our lead pastor, it's on video, we're providing the small group training where we have coordinators and coaches who are helping care for small groups and all that stuff. That kind of helped us to, to, to widen that a little bit. But what we started doing, also thinking about is, well, what's the most important small group that there is? And so as we answered that question, we thought, well, the family unit. Yes. They're important small group than the family unit. So what we did is we came off of that question, and then we opened up. We said, hey, we want you to host a small group for your family. And when we had this paradigm shift, so to speak, for us is we started this one year back in 2012, I think it was, and we came out and said, hey, we we just want you to host a small group for your family. And what we what we learned from that, we just really hope people do that. We were just hoping they would just lead a small group for the family, and and we was that was a win. But what we seen was what we learned afterwards after we tracked the the data and evaluated it. We had people coming up to us on Sundays and saying, "Hey, Pastor Allen said that we could host a small group for our family, but I've got a coworker at work that I really want to invite out to this. Is that okay?" Hmm. And That's and I cool. said. Yeah, and, and so what do you think I said? I said, of course not. Don't invite them out. Uh, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, absolutely. And so, but here's the thing. That just wasn't one question. I remember on that Sunday morning in particular when we first launched this, I had tons of people saying, hey, Pastor Allen said this, but we want to invite our neighbor. I want to invite my family member. And what we learned was is that it was intimidating to people when we came out and we said, hey, we want you to host a small group and we're going to send you 10 people to call, 20 people to call and invite out to your home, set you up on blind dates. That was intimidating. Okay. Uh, and they didn't sign up for that in that regards. But when we started saying, hey, we just want you to host this for your, for your family, they, we lowered the bar, so to speak, and said, hey, here's what we're asking. We're just asking you to do this for your family. Then they started automatically thinking about well, okay, I'll do this for my family, but I'm going to invite whomever's really close to me that I trust into this small group as well. But I really believe that because we gave them an easy in, mm-hmm. so to speak, they said yes on their own. Then they, in turn, started thinking about people they can invite. Now, that's what we wanted to happen. We didn't know it happened just like that. I'd like to say it was perfectly planned, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, but because we're as really we're as willing to wrestle with our paradigm and is what we're doing working, we really want something for us. Uh, and so once they said yes to that, they automatically start thinking about people they can invite. Right. Because here's what we've learned: we did what everybody else does. We come out on stage. Our lead pastor casts the vision. They promote it. They inspire people. Hey, we want you to do a small group for your, you know, invite your coworkers, invite your neighbors, invite whoever else. And that's still intimidating somewhat from us when we're casting it from stage. But then a yes for themselves. Then they told, that was their idea then, and they owned it. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Um, and, and it worked. Yeah, it sounds like it worked really well. Um, okay, let's talk about the group link model. Yep. And probably the biggest well-known um, church for that is yep. um, North Point. Yep. And so just briefly kind of talk through that and what would be the strength of that model. Yeah, you know, the strength of the group link model is the sense is that when you come into group link. Now, again, it, this can be abbreviated as well with the group link model in a sense that you can still have an interview process ahead of time. So if you're going off sure. the apprentice model, so let's just say – some churches will leverage group link 
and their new group leaders will come from a small group out of last year's group. So if like you run it on a semester basis, let's just say, now I don't know exactly this is exactly what North Point does there. And I, just a few churches I've talked to and what we've looked at is a lot of times when someone runs a group link, you have a requirement to be a group leader. You've had to be in a small group X amount of time and here's some other requirements. And so then they pull leaders from that to start the new group link so that when you do kick off your small groups, you kick off your small groups in the fall. Let's just say first weekend in October, whenever it is. You kick off those small groups. You've got the groups in a central location at the church. Let's just say it's the church. Typically, yeah. Yeah, they're not going in someone's home they've not met yet. So the value, I think, of the group link piece is it gives people a neutral environment to begin building relationships uh, around before moving into the home. Um, and And it helps people say yes to checking out a small group. Because really, who wants to go to a small group in someone's home they never met before? Well, predominantly, that is how it's how um, a lot of churches do it. That's how we do. Okay, let's talk about GroupLink a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one one version of that, which is kind of interesting and um, that has worked for some churches, is that you know they do gather all anyone who's interested in a group then gathers into a large mm-hmm. room. They have either there's two versions of this. Either they have pre-screened leaders in place. Um, mm-hmm. at, you know, inside there. And so they kind of gather people that live near them or whatever. Um, maybe it's, you know, affinity based or gender based or age based, whatever geography. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of get to know each other a little bit and then off they go. Another mm-hmm. version is where, um, you just, you don't have pre-screened leaders. And, um, this mm-hmm. one's kind of a quick, uh, it's called, it used to be called back in the day, quick groups, quick yeah. starts. So then you don't have mm-hmm. a leader. You stand, you sit around these tables yep. again by affinity or whatever version you decide yep. for, for the types of groups you want. And yep. then at the end of the interactions, you say one, two, three, point to the person that you think <laughs> should lead this group. And, um, I know I can see you nodding. Well, the audience won't yeah. be able to hear you nodding, but I've actually tried that a few times in my early days. Um, and surprisingly, yeah. it, it, when you have nothing, no leaders to start off with, yeah. um, it give, does give you a quick start. Yeah. Have you had any experience with that? Uh, absolutely. And I'm laughing about because we have done that. You know, we've <laughs> done that where we've, we've invited people out. You know, we've had them at round tables. They've never met each other before. All that we did is we predefined demographics. Yes. Like it could have been a town or we've also done demographics in the sense of married, single, sure. men, women, empty nesters. But we've done that. And, and here's the thing, that really can work uh, in a sense, but it also it takes some forethought in a sense of sure. what types of questions, because when we did it, we always wanted to think ahead and say, okay, what types of questions are we going to ask that will help people feel comfortable? You know, because, right. you know, you don't ask the questions of, uh, you know, how long have you been a Christian? What have you taught? Things like that. But you want to ask those personal type questions. Like one question I love to always ask when, you know, we're opening up, like with a small group or something, I always just like to get to know people. So I've started asking this question here is that if you could be anyone in history <laughs> for 24 hours, who would you be and why? And what I always say is, okay, you can't choose anyone, and you definitely can't choose G. Uh, can I say that on this podcast? Well, it kind uh, of got—I I, kind of lost you there a little bit, so you couldn't repeat that. <laughs> yeah, um, 
so when I asked the question, if you if you could be anyone in, in history for 24 hours, who would you be and why? I would always exclude you can't choose a biblical choose Jesus Christ because you might not go through with the whole crucifixion thing and <laughs> resurrection. Um, if you could be anyone in history, who would that be? Uh, and so it gives you some insight into that individual. And, you know, so for me, I, you know, I'd say, like, if I could be anyone in history for 24 hours, I would be Felix Baumgartner on the day he did the space jump. I mean, wouldn't you just love to be able to go up to the stratosphere like that and just free fall back to Earth, break the sound barriers you're falling, and live? I mean, think about that. Okay, I that think, wouldn't have been on my list. So see, oh, that, that reveals something about you, Daniel, right? Exactly. So it gives you a hint of the person's personality and who they are. So when you're doing this, if you go to the group league thing like that, think about some questions that won't intimidate people, but will also let people know about who they are. Right. The nice thing about that environment is when I, I was a little hesitant to do it, but each time we've, we had done it, um, everyone points to the same person. Yeah. And so it's kind of leaders kind of rise and then they feel yeah. so honored and then it's hard to say no because everybody's Absolutely. pointing at you. So there, there's that piece. Another model um, that is great for kind of startups in small groups ministry is um, kind of the turbo group. That, that's just a term, but basically mm-hmm. is when you handpick potential leaders and then you as the small group pastor or one of your coaches uh take a group of them through a small group experience together first, and then with the expectation that, that you're going to launch them um, in a, at a given time. Maybe it's usually like a few months later. Yeah. Um, and when I've heard about people doing that, it, it takes it's time and labor intensive, mm-hmm. but it seems like they say you generally end up with almost all of the people in the mix, so you'll end up with about 80 to 90% of those people. And you've mm-hmm. invested in them, so right? So then they know what you're yeah. expecting. Um, so if you have like a six-month window, that might be a yeah. good way to go. Absolutely. Like you said, that, that gives you time to, to build into the people. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to coach them along the way. But like you said, it is labor intensive. It does require effort. And um, again, it's, it goes back to the question, does that fit our method and model and really even the personality of the leadership of the church? Right, right. And so I guess that's really the key question. Really, Whatever model you choose, yeah. it really has to fit and be in your context. And then yep. maybe let's, let's turn to that idea. Okay, so... Yep. We need so um, we should all be considering what is it that our leadership and our church culture needs. Like, what are the not what are the essentials um, for a church that wants a two year class and membership and Bible a lot of Bible scholarship before they can lead our group? Mm-hmm. Obviously, something like the host model won't work. Um, but what sure. would you say, Daniel, is like the non negotiable must have attributes of a leader? Uh, well, for us, what we're looking for in a small group leader in that in our context is because, like I said, we do the the host model. So the three things I kind of look for is I'm looking for someone that's a, a people person. You know, now I'm not asking the question: Are you introverted, extroverted? Uh, because personally, uh, I am introverted. You know, I'm not I'm not going to walk into a room. And I'm not going to be the life of the party. Uh, but I like people. You know, <laughs> a small number of people, and I can be hospitable. <laughs> Uh, you know, so I want to find someone that's, that's they're just genuinely a people person, uh, and they just like people. And the next thing I'm looking for is someone that's teachable, uh, and I think about humility uh, in that sense. So I'm looking for someone that likes people, that have a smile on their face, 
and people tend to like to be around them uh, in that regards because then the teachable thing I'll talk we can talk about that in a moment but also then finally the third thing is it's just a desire to grow spiritually uh, and now when I say that is because I'm looking for someone because our small group mission uh, is to balance a great commandment and a great commission in the heart of every believer. Now, I know many people who listen to this podcast, I'm not going to say, well, that's Saddlebacks. Well, sure, that's and that's the Bible. Okay. <laughs> that's the Bible, exactly. Um, now, our vision is experience like the fullest. But what we're wanting to wrestle with is we want people to wrestle with how do I uh, live out practically uh, my faith in Jesus Christ in that sense. So, for a small group leader, I want someone that's a people person because if they're not a people person, they're not going to be able to lead people. People won't want to come to their small group. Right. Uh, if they're not teachable, what I've learned over the years, um, someone can be uh, a great teacher themselves. They can have a lot of knowledge, uh, but if they're not teachable, if they don't have a certain amount of humility uh, about them, sure. uh, typically they're not going to they aren't going to consider others as more important than themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've learned is that throughout small group life, uh, the person that's not teachable tends to be rigid. And so when it comes to these difficult situations in group life, it's their way or the highway. Uh, right. and there's less, typically, maybe less grace. There's less grace. It's not as... Um, you know, growth opportunities in that regards. And then a desire to grow spiritually. We're, just, we're looking for people who genuinely they want to grow, and that's the, the intent of them gathering together in community in some sort. Uh, we don't say, hey, you've got to be at this place in your Christian journey. Because for our model, what we're going to do, we're going to provide in our context in our church, we're going to provide resources. We're going to give them some video teaching. Now, we have small group leaders. They just take the Bible and they go and they study the Bible. That's great. You know, we encourage that. Uh, but for a brand new, we have to have a system where if someone just comes up and says, hey, I just accepted Christ yesterday. And I've got five friends who they don't know they're not Christian, but I want to invite them into this conversation. I want to be able to provide resources for that person to reach their friends right uh, so because we are in our context we're going to provide resources uh i'm not as concerned about um how long they've been a christian right i i think you identified really the key ones um you know being being teachable desire to grow and then um, mm-hmm. the first one maybe i would add to available uh, when I was in sure. university in college, um, we used to have this acronym. It's so probably not politically correct, but it was FAT. And when we looked for leaders, we wanted them faithful, faithful, available, and teachable. And the yeah. faithful thing was that their lives were, the trajectory of their lives were focused towards Jesus and their own growth. Um, yeah. And available was, we're all busy. And the available, mm-hmm. especially in our busy lives, uh, means that even if they want to lead, if they don't have the bandwidth in their schedule, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily going to go well. Um, and so we kind of checked and ask our leaders, you know, do you have time right now? Is this a good season for you to stretch mm-hmm. in this way? Because this will take, you know, so much time. So we don't want it to, to mislead them into thinking that this is just an easy one hour a week deal. Because it's not. If yeah. they're really doing leading well, 
um, then it involves getting messy in people's lives, and that can't, can't be limited, right? Um, right. And I want to highlight one, one of the things you said about the teaching um, aspect. Sometimes I think we get kind of uh, excited when we see someone who's a Bible teacher or, you know, we have an ex-pastor that comes across our way and we're like, oh my gosh, they should be great small group leaders. And interestingly, I think, you know, there's that saying that God equips the, the called. Well, mm-hmm. Sometimes the best leaders I have found have not necessarily been the ones that look like they would be the best leaders from the outset. You know, they're really outgoing, gregarious mm-hmm. with the Bible degree and all of that. Yep. And sometimes the best leaders are the kind of the more introverted, the great listener, the shepherding, mm-hmm. pastoral heart kind of people more than the teaching mm-hmm. people. I mean, have you experienced yep. that? Like, the, it's not necessarily what we think. Absolutely. And I love what you just shared there because if you take someone who is not necessarily a thinker in a sense of, you know, they're they're the theologian type, study, studious, want to just regurgitate everything they learn. But if you take someone who's a great listener and who can learn to ask questions, then when it comes in a small group context of facilitating a conversation uh, amongst the people in the group, that person, then as they listen, uh, they can help draw others into the conversation who wouldn't otherwise uh, and it, get, it helps people take ownership. And so I think you're spot on in that sometimes is that the great small group leaders isn't always the ones that we think would make the best small group leaders. But sometimes to identify those, I've got to think differently uh, and yeah. not always think about the the checked boxes, so to speak. Does this right. person have all the qualifications? Yeah, so let's talk about thinking outside the box. I've um, asked for referrals from staff. I've asked for, yeah. you know, if if I meet someone, I pray when I'm in the lobby, God, is there somebody that could lead a group? Because we don't do the host model, so we basically create a list in the summer, um, an ongoing yeah. list throughout the year of potential leaders, and then we start talking to them about mm-hmm. it. Um, but any other ways to get uh, new leaders? Yeah, well, you know, I think when we're thinking about what is it, think outside the box. Again, I think this goes back to our, you know, to am I a high control type leader mm-hmm. or am I a low control type leader? And when it comes to thinking outside the box, is it just a matter of creativity? Uh, because sometimes when we're thinking about thinking outside of the box, I'm thinking differently. So I'd say, uh, how do we do that in that regard? So I'd say if you're thinking, if you're in that context right now and you're thinking about how can I recruit new small group leaders in the church, I would just encourage you to do a, a, a couple of things. Uh, one, don't try to think outside the box alone. So if you are a very creative person, bring someone around you like me who's <laughs> not a very creative person. Me neither. You know, my, my wife can look at a wall and she can be like, oh, this will look great there, this will look great there, and here's how it look. And and I have no clue about that. I'm like, it serves its purpose. It's functional. <laughs> Run with it. That's great. Uh, so I say, don't try to think outside the box alone. Bring someone around you who doesn't necessarily think like you do in that regards. And then as you're – and think through with them. Just say, hey, you know, let them know. I'm trying to figure out how to recruit new group leaders. Uh, here's what we're asking of a new small group leader uh, or a small group host. What – if you were going to be a small group leader, what would help me connect with you in that regard? And so just listen to them, uh, but don't, don't do it alone. Uh, also, sometimes I think thinking outside the box really does require, at least it does me, it requires me to challenge my method, so to speak, 
is, is my method still being effective right. in moving forward the vision and mission? And right. so what I mean by that is, you know, there was a time when part of our method was that you had to be a member to lead a small group. Well, now we don't, we don't say that you have to be a member to lead a small group. Um, because when we're doing a campaign, we're going to give you the materials, we're going to give you the coach and the training and the resources in, in that regards to go out and teach it or to go out and you know, facilitate the group. Um, so it, requ- it required us to think about some of those things. Uh, so just be, just be, not always, but be willing to wrestle with some of those questions to think outside of the box uh, because really it's just thinking differently you know, and doing something in a way that you've never done it before. Yeah, and I, that that's a good a good word. I think I asked uh, small group leaders what made you say yes to us mm-hmm. um, to see okay where's the fears and could we do something to deal with the fears? What made you say no initially? Yeah. Um, sometimes it takes several asks, and they're always honored yeah. to be asked. So there's no downside to asking. They Absolutely. could say no though. So and some of the things that came up was you know I don't know that I can do it. I mm-hmm. I'm so busy. Um, I don't know enough. And so one thing we started to do is to partner people and say, mm-hmm. hey, find somebody that you'd like to spend time with and you guys can now actually make time to spend together and mm-hmm. do it together. And that took away some of the fear because then you know at least one other person is going to show up. Yeah. Um, and you get that list of 20 and at least one person on there shows up. So having the, a co-leader thing made it less intimidating. Mm-hmm. Having yep. a set amount of time, like you don't lead for life. You lead through, exactly. um, you might lead for life, but we start out at six, seven week increment first. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what you just shared there is great. It's, you know, when you think outside of the box, always be willing to, okay, I'm, I've got to do something different. I've never done it before because otherwise we wouldn't want to be, we're not going to try to think outside of the box, right? Right. You know, because that's what it's just to think differently. Um, you know, and so as you're doing that, be willing to 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 learn and, and try new things. Uh, and I'd say I'm going to do a shameless plug for the network here as well. <laughs> Go uh, for it. <laughs> for me to be able to connect with other small group point people, I don't, I'm very fortunate to be a part of the church I'm a part of. Uh, an amazing staff, an amazing team uh, around us. But even when, even if you come from a church with with staff, sometimes we can all think alike, right? Right. Uh, so being able to be connected with a network of small group point people has been invaluable to me because I've gotten to connect. I've gotten up to connect with other small group point people, different backgrounds, uh, whether it's denominationally, whether it's culturally, as far as the you know, we're in very world. Southwest Virginia, Northeast Tennessee. Um, so to be able to connect with someone like Nick Lindsay up in, in you know Hoboken in, in New York area uh, helps challenge me to think outside the box because he is in a faster pace, sure. more environment. And so, but to hear his ideas has helped me to think through some of that. So I'd say if you're not connected with a uh, a group of point people, pastors, ministry leaders in your con- and I'd say in particular in the small group world. Um, you're doing a great disservice to the people that God's called you to care for. Because when we're, I can't think outside the box if I'm only going to stay in my own little bubble. Sure. Uh, so I've got to be willing to think outside the box, one, to think different than I've ever done. That requires us to bring people around us who are different than us. Uh, and I don't mean, I don't want to say different like a negative way, uh, but it could be, you know, could be denominationally. 
you know, even because even with the nominations, there's different sure. ideas and thoughts and, and theories and such. Uh, and I'm not talking about theology. No, but more I'm like transferable about, principles. Exactly. And ideas. Just principles. just new, fresh ideas. I love that. Um, yep. And obviously, we believe in the network because we both serve in the network. And um, yep. gosh, this has gone by so fast. So we need to wrap up. And I know you would agree with me that all of this can't happen. We can't yep. get new leaders without the power of prayer. Absolutely. Uh, and I, every year I feel anxious, usually around late August when I'm looking yeah. at, okay, we're going to have to connect another whole batch of people and we don't have enough leaders. And then I tell God, you know, these are your people. You need to connect them. We need leaders. And every year he does provide. So I want to encourage our people to make sure that, you know, you pray and leave that with Absolutely. Jesus to take care. We do our part and we work hard to recruit and identify, yeah. but then we let God do his part. Um, any yeah. final thoughts, Daniel? Yeah, you know, I'd say, share with this, is that when you're looking to recruit new leaders, just like you alluded to it a moment ago, when we're doing a campaign here at Highlands Fellowship, we always want to give an easy on-ramp and easy exit ramp. And that typically is within the, the, the confines of time. Right. So we'll say, hey, we're not asking you to sign up for a small group for life. And a lot of times it's important that you do that also for a small group leader and say, hey, we're not asking you to lead a group for life. But could you lead a small group for this campaign? And so make sure that you communicate clearly uh, what you are asking of a new small group leader. Don't be ambiguous about it. Don't, you know, you know, just be very clear up front. What are you asking of a small group leader? Cast that vision to them. Because here's what, I, you know, I, one of the things I learned. There's a couple in our church. And they're actually, I live like an hour away from our church. And they came up to me. And we were doing a campaign. And, and the husband and wife were together. They said, you know, we're really praying about, you know, leading a small group for this, for this campaign. Uh, but, and then they go on and give me a list of 15 reasons they can't do it, right? <laughs> so, and here's the thing. I didn't try to answer all of their objections, okay? So when they came to me with that, they said, hey, we're praying about this. We're thinking about being a small group leader for this campaign. And then they list off 15 reasons they couldn't do it. It wouldn't work for them. I just said, okay, that's, you know, hey, it sounds like you're really thinking through this. I just encourage them to say, hey, we're just praying for you uh, and just pray that God will lead you down the right path to be a leader or not to be a leader and, and to connect with the group. And so what you said there about prayer is critical. I always be praying for them. But because I didn't try to answer all their questions, sure. I didn't come across what I was trying to convince them why they you should You weren't selling it. it, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't selling it. But here's what So they come to me, they said, a couple weeks later, they said, hey, we're going to try this, but it's not the best scenario. Our driveway's <laughs> like this, our house is like this, so on and so forth. I said, hey, that's great. I'm so excited you're going to lead a group this campaign. Hey, we're going to have your material. It's going to be amazing. How can we serve you? Here's We've got a care team. You know, we've got a coach, and so on and so forth. Um, so we just you know, loved them and, and cast vision for them. Week one in the campaign, I saw them walk to the church, said, hey, how's everything going? Oh, it was great. You know, things went well. But now we're not leading for life. I said, <laughs> that's okay. I said, that's, that's fine. You can be done in six weeks. That's, that's awesome. Thank you for hosting the group during this time period. So week two came by. They came and seen them through the mall. I was like, hey, it was great. But, hey, we're not doing this forever. I said, that's fine. I said, <laughs> you know, I'm good with that. Thank you for leading. But here's what was really neat. Around week four, I think it was, maybe week five, because it was a six-weeks campaign, they came to us and they said, um, Daniel, can we lead this group after this study? Aww. And if so, what can we do next? So I was like, well, you know, 
But I thought you said you didn't want to. I mean, I didn't go down that road with them, right? I didn't right, sell right. I said, hey, that's awesome. Here's a couple of options that you can consider next if you want to continue moving forward. You know, I didn't I didn't try to make a big deal of it. I didn't try to, you know, sure. push them on. But you do, have, as a pastor, as a point person, the small group leader, think through, what are my next steps for the small group leader? Uh, if they do choose to stay on for another six weeks or however long they choose to, make sure you have some things that you can encourage them. Hey, here's your next step. Here's a great study to check out. Here's how you can do this or that or whatever it may be. Just make sure you have that because here's the other thing. I'm in their small group now. <laughs> um, they led, they kept growing it. Uh, it was, and they're like I said, they live in the same small town. I do. They're mate. They're, they're better small group leaders. Than I'd ever hoped to be uh, an oh, amazing cool. couple, but, uh, but yeah, right. So we gave them an easy, you know, that right. was what also we said, Hey, just host a group for your family. Right. There was one of those couples. Um, and then the decided, Holy Spirit took care of the rest. Exactly. They decided to bring a few people around them. Then here's the other thing in it. The people in their small group, the people in the small group were the ones that asked, can we do this again? You know? And so because it goes back to what you talked about, the group link piece, one of the great things about the group link piece is that, especially when you do it in a way to where that the people at the table, they all point to the leader. Right. That edifies, that builds them up. Yes. So because here's why they said they couldn't do it forever. They didn't feel qualified. Right. But when people in the small group gave them their vote of confidence and said, we love this group. What are we going to do next? They felt validated. Um, you know, and they felt encouraged to go on. And this was like three years later. And I was fast forward three years later. And they're phenomenal hosts. Now, if people come and gone from that group, absolutely. Right. But the thing is, if we would have, in our context, if I would have had uh, a lot of check boxes for them to qualify for, uh, and if I would have said, hey, you're signing up. If I have even said you're signing up for a year, not even life, they would have checked themselves out automatically. Probably. So when you, when you're looking at new leaders, uh, think through those things. Kind of like, you know, is it easy on, easy off? What's the clear expectations of a small group leader? What are we asking them to do? And then how can we continue to care for and support them if they choose to uh, to continue on in that regards? That's great. Um, yeah, really, all of that. I agree with all of that. Um, well, thank you so much, Daniel, for your time. Um, Daniel is a great ambassador for the Small Group Network. He's the regional leader for the Atlantic Coast. So if you um, are in a church in that area, please connect with him. He, you can find him on Twitter at Daniel Thomas. He's also pretty active on our Facebook page. So when this um, uploads, you are welcome to interact with him, ask him questions, and talk about whatever you'd like on our Facebook page. Um, so Daniel, thank you so much. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you, Carolyn. All right, well, thanks for listening to Group Talk. Um, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Here to There part of the Group Talk Network of Podcasts. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you want to learn more, make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com for more resources.